Welcome to the Sparked Podcast, a place to keep your spark bright. Here I've brought together my most powerful tips from the last decade plus partnering with small businesses on all things leadership, mindset, people and culture. Here my approach combines intuitive psychology, strategy, neuroscience and results-based coaching to unlock your highest potential. Step into your power and truly own your role as a leader so that you can spread the positive impacts of your purpose-led work everywhere. My name is Emma Campbell. I'm a mindset and performance coach for purpose-led leaders. I'm a mama to two cheeky little munchkins. I'm a wine appreciator, nature-obsessed, stubbornly optimistic child at heart, and I'm here to inspire belief in what's possible for you because it is all so possible. I hope that this podcast leaves you feeling lighter, more inspired, and more ready than ever to go out there and take actions on your big dreams and vision. I can't wait to dig in. See you in the podcast. So excited to bring on my next guest, Mike Edmonds, who is the founder of In Better Company, which is a company that helps individuals, organizations, and industry groups to surface their true purpose and align their business behavior to it. Mike and I have known each other for maybe four or five years now, and he has got such an incredible wealth of wisdom around purpose and advertising and marketing. After 40 years in advertising, starting his career at Market Force, rising through the ranks super quickly, and then starting his own business called Meerkats, which is a purpose-based agency in 2004. Meerkats has been super successful. They're a three-time winner of the WA Agency of the Year, and they were recently named the Independent Agency of the Year in Australia. Australia, New Zealand as well. Mike's lectured all around the world. He's authored a book which is titled Truth, Growth, Repeat, a business manual for Generation Y. And I can really vouch for that book. It's so, so awesome if you're looking to find your own purpose, particularly if you're in business, really, really handy. And um, with his current business right now, In Better Company, they, him and his business partner, Ronnie Duncan, have just opened the Perth School of Purpose, which is a dedicated educational service which goes deep into everything around organisational purpose and looks really, really awesome. Mike is just such an incredible and talented guy and has so much experience around how to practically apply purpose and to like make it really commercial as well because we're all running businesses here right um and in this episode we go deep into his childhood or maybe not deep into his childhood but we talk about his childhood and we talk about his story his journey into starting his business and also some really, really valuable tips on how to find your purpose and your truth, you know, your authentic motive in business and what the benefits are of actually finding that what to do with it once you've found it and what opportunities can arise from that. And the most important thing is how to know if you've actually found your true purpose, because I think there's a lot of people out there who who think that they might have found it, but Mike is just an absolute expert on, on really putting that to the test. 
He talks about the difference between truth and purpose and speaks really beautifully about the commercial potential of of purpose and, and what it can actually do for your business in terms of innovation, opportunities, branding, marketing, all of the things. So stay tuned for an absolutely fantastic episode. I truly, truly loved talking to Mike and I think that there's going to have to be a part two because we only just started to skim the surface on all of the incredible wisdom that he has to share and you'll really hear that he's really generous with all of the information that he shares. So um, enjoy. I know you'll love it. Hello, Mike. So lovely to have you on the Sparked podcast. I've been really looking forward to this one for a long time. Welcome. Oh, thank you. I hope it's worth it. <laughs> I'm, I'm sure that it will be. And, um, you know, I share a bit of a, a bio about your background at the start of this podcast episode, but just to give a little bit of a, a more personal intro, Mike was one of the per- first people to introduce me to this whole idea around purpose and um, was definitely a big part of the the passion that I developed around the idea. And I've learned so much from him and particularly his book. So I was really excited to get him on board to pick his brain and to hear about his story and particularly a big piece around the, I guess, the more practical side of purpose because um, as we were talking about before, purpose can sometimes be one of those concepts that can be a little, feel a little bit soft and fluffy. And I think you've got such a beautiful knack at making it really practical and applying it to businesses and how it can actually, you know, make a real impact on the bottom line. So super excited to chat to you about all of those things. Um, Before we jump into that, I've got a I've got a little bit of a question that I love to ask my guests as I guess one of the the pieces that I've noticed a lot in my journey around purpose and um, my background being in coaching and psychology is, is recognizing that often that purpose piece tends to run quite deep and can, and often develop quite early on in life. And I would love to hear Mike, um, like to, to hear a little bit about what you were like as a kid or what your childhood was like and um, how you feel like your your childhood or what you loved to do or what you felt like you were really good at as a child, how that's kind of kind of tied into what you do right now. Yeah, I've thought about this uh, a bit uh, along my journey and um, there are some uh, definite sort of uh, signals um, when I was young that um, you know, I may end up doing what I've been doing. Uh, I was a very curious child. Um, I'm one of seven, and uh, I was the quiet one who stood in the background uh, as my five sisters, you know, just went feral and mental and had (laughs) had had fits and breakdowns and you know, a a general kind of uh, growing up angst. I would be the quiet one in the corner, just just quietly taking note of um, what happened. And 
it was uh, combined with that curiosity. It was combined with a, a creativity. I, I always like building things. I like understanding how things worked. I like drawing pictures and and playing with Lego and and stuff like that and building models. And so you know, I've asked my parents a lot about what I was like back then, and um, they sort of said, "Yeah, you were the you were the quiet one who wanted to understand how things worked." And I really think mm-hmm. I just took that through my whole life as I got into the world of advertising I was just very curious to kind of investigate how humans worked you know what made yeah. humans behave the way they do <clears throat> so uh yeah I, I think ultimately you know my, my journey's been um one of a, a very common sense um experiment into um what what happens when when people um you know live their lives and in particular buy products or use services or you know um do what consumers do and uh so yeah it was very very practical approach to um uh, the craft of um, creativity and 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 being an advertising copywriter Mm, amazing amazing and yeah sounds really similar to what you're doing right now um i'm curious to hear if um if part of your your passion or your curiosity was around figuring out how humans work, do you feel like you've found the answer to that? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I can't claim to know everything because uh, humans are contrary and they, they do yeah. like to contradict as soon as you find, you know, what you think you establish a rule. Sure enough, the very next experience will will, will prove the opposite. But um, what I think I've found is is uh, over the years is a, is a set of results that in my mind are consistent. You know, I, I was never really that interested in um, forming my own opinions and then pushing them. I was always basing my decisions and my actions on what I saw worked and what didn't work um, repeatedly over time. So, yeah, I, I really just came up, uh, you know, with a set of um, observations that seemed to be nine times out of ten the thing that, that people do. And um, I applied those um uh, over and over and over uh, in many, many different kinds of settings, you know, uh, for, for, for companies of all sizes and all shapes and all kinds of people, well-meaning people, uh, you know, um, egotistical people, you know, soft, hard, uh, old, young, female, male, didn't really matter. I, I kind of tested my theories um, with just so many different types of um, people and companies and, and organisations that, you know, reinforced the the, the uh, things I was seeing and uh, when there was conflicting results, I would analyze that and uh, look for the, you know, the, the next consistency. So yeah, it really wasn't a, bit, a, a question of wanting to be right or to be the guru yeah. in the room. It was really just um, being true to what I saw was, was, was um, actually happening. And uh, yeah. strangely enough in business, that's quite a, quite a rarity because what I found in business is that a lot of people want to reject um, what is staring them in the face because it's inconvenient to them or scary. Yeah. So I kind of developed an, an immunity to being scared by the truth, I guess. Mm, oh, I love that. I love that. And I feel like that's a really important time for us to talk a little bit about <clears throat> your story and what you do. Like you've had a lot of experience with with different businesses, like both your own as well as with other other businesses, you know, over the years. I, I would love if you could share a little bit about, um, you know, your story, your journey, um, and what kind of like sparked you to do what you do right now. Yeah, well, I was always, like I said, interested in uh, 
I was interested in drawing and writing and, uh, you know, uh, uh, quite creative kind of exploits when I was in school. And when I left school, I just sort of fell into a job in, in an advertising agency because I liked to draw. And the, there was an ad in the paper for an office boy, um, probably, you know, this was like the late 70s. So it was probably the last time anyone ever advertised for an office boy. It seems so cliche now and old fashioned, but that's what, yeah, that's what the ad said. And so I naively took along all my uh, books, all my art books full of drawings and said, I, I would like to get this job because I like drawing. And uh, the person interviewing me thought that was hilarious as, as you know, the job had nothing to do with drawing, but he liked me. And uh, he said, look, you know, have you got your car license? Have you got a car? Yep. You're, you'll do. So I basically got a job as an office boy, um, in an advertising agency and it was um it was a terrific experience because i i really uh, had no idea i wanted to get into advertising but i soon found out that i i had a knack for it and i quickly moved from being an office boy to being a junior copywriter and writing uh woolies ads ads for woolworths and um yeah and it was such a simple little thing i, I would get you know this was in adelaide and uh, i would get from the head office in sydney a little template that had like a five second jingle. And then I had to list an, a certain number of products for the TV commercial soundtrack within a certain amount of time. And then there was another jingle to finish it. So it was really easy and I found it easy, but um, I did it, you know, competently. And they thought I was amazing because everyone else apparently had stuffed up at it. So <laughs> I went from junior copywriter to copywriter. And next thing you know, I'm back in Perth where I was, where I did most of my life. And um you know, going through the ranks of uh, junior copywriter to, to, to middle copywriter to senior copywriter to creative director. And all the way through, I was, you know, uh, fascinated by, you know, what could you compress into such a short space of time, this little engagement you have with people, whether it's a tiny little press ad or a 15-second TV commercial. I was always very challenged by the the idea of putting you know, so much information into such a small, small space in, of time. Mm. Uh, and, uh, and over those years, I, uh, I sort of realised that um, I observed that telling the truth uh, worked better than inventing stuff. And, and uh, as we go through the 80s and the 90s and into the year 2000 and the internet comes along, that, that fact just became more and more true, that, um, you know, as there was more and more advertising, people paid less and less attention to it. And uh, so, you know, this this um, theory of mine that if the client actually has something of value to say, it's going to work better and you have to, you don't have to work as hard to, you don't have to trick people, you don't have to catch their attention with a little gimmick and then hope that they're not disappointed when it turns out that you're exaggerating the, the benefit of the client's uh, product. You know, when, when you actually had mm -hmm. something genuine to say, it, it was, uh, it, it worked better. So I just kept exploring that idea and it led to me wanting to help my clients find a better thing to say because to be honest most of the clients that came to me would say hey our, average, our product is pretty average and our our service level uh, depends on what side of the bed our staff wake up on and uh, my competitors <laughs> seem to have better things than me so can you make us look good can you make us seem better and that was okay in the 80s i, I readily accepted that challenge in the 80s because i was still experimenting and Back in the 80s, it was, there was only two commercial stations in Perth. And, you know, when you did a funny ad, it did seem to make a difference uh, at the till for those businesses. But as the time wore on, it, it made less and less of a difference. So me looking for a genuine value uh, for my clients was became more and more important because that was the only way that 
this thing called advertising was actually going to be worth the money in the end. So interesting. So interesting. So really moving towards that. How can I add value for not only, you know, their, their marketing and their branding, but actually add value for their business? Yeah. And it was very much, um, I didn't know it at the time, but certainly by the time I started my own company to explore this idea fully, this company I started called Meerkats in uh, 2004, we basically were, um, changing from um, service providers to educators because um, the clients, the businesses would come to us and just ask us for things that they thought they should be asking for, like give me a brand, give me a brand image, give me an ad campaign, give me a gimmick, give me a hook. And we'd have to, you know, um, politely and kindly and diplomatically show them that that wasn't working so good anymore and that there was a better way. And it began by looking internally at at their company and being really honest about whether or not it was worth it, <laughs> what they had to say. For example, a, a dairy company we worked with came to us and said, you know, look, uh, our flavoured milk is being is being canned. You know, we're, we're being we're being trounced in the in the in the market because all these big brands are coming from over east because uh, Perth is growing and it's a it's a major market now. And all these new brands are coming with with all their you know different iced coffees and flavoured milks, and we're being beaten. So can you do an ad campaign to, to you know, freshen up the sales of our flavoured milk? And I think if it was 10 years earlier, I would have said, yep, sure, no worries. Let's, how much you got? And let's let's do a wacky TV ad or whatever. <laughs> but because this was um, 2004 and it was the start of Facebook and the internet was rising and we knew that, you know, people could tell you the, the truth behind an ad campaign very quickly. You know, people were starting to share on social media um, their experiences of products and companies and brands. And so uh, it didn't matter what the advertising was. It only mattered what the truth was that people were, were discovering for themselves. So we said, um, look, uh, we'll get back to you in two weeks. Uh, and we, we went and did our own taste testing of um, all the available products in that category. And it, it was very apparent that their product wasn't good enough, that it mm. didn't taste as good, it, it wasn't as uh, natural, it uh, didn't have as... Um, good uh, uh, ingredient list and stuff like that. And so we just went back to them and said, okay, here's your choice. We could take your $2 million and do an ad campaign and you will get a blip in sales. You always get a little bit of a lift. But you know what? In six months, you'll be back here asking us the same question because the truth is, the inconvenient truth is, uh, you don't have enough value. <laughs> your product is lagging in taste, in quality, in, uh, you know, it, it just isn't up there. So, uh, if I don't tell you that, um, you know, uh, I'm 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 doing you a disservice, and uh, you can it's your choice to believe us. You can sort of be insulted and go somewhere else. <laughs> That's fine by us. We've got a, a list of advertising agencies that'll happily not ask you that question. I'll just do the ads for you, uh, but we can't not tell you this because it's the truth. Yeah. So you know, it's it's a very simple, very common sense, a very logical process uh, that once you find a truth on behalf of your client you can't walk away from it even if it means you're not going to make as much money or you're not going to be as famous or your advertising agency is not not going to be seen as hip you know because most of what we recommended to them was to not spend on advertising but to spend on research and development and, and go and you know really work out what they need to do to their product mm. and what sort of a, an impact did that have for that business <clears throat> like revealing that truth for them um, well, this is where we get into the very human behaviors of purpose because there's a lot of there's a lot of emotion attached to business. There's a lot of 
you know, people say ego, but ego is really just pride, fear. You know, everyone suffers yeah. from the imposter syndrome. And when we meet a chief marketing officer who is quietly, subconsciously, um, you know, scared that they're going to lose their job one day because they don't really know how marketing works. No one does. Mm. <laughs> um, you know, when you meet that and you sort of confront them and say, you know, if you've told your board that you, you'll be able to solve this problem with an ad campaign, well, we're kind of telling you that you won't. You know, that, that's a real challenge to that person's um, sense of um, self-confidence, self-belief, you know, um, and sometimes they reject that and they, you know, they, we, 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 we were the bad guy. We were sort of the bad cop, you know, telling them the news they didn't want to hear. Yeah. So, um, you know, some clients received it um, well. Some of them said, um, I don't believe that and, you know, tried somewhere else. So, you know, one of the things that happens when you stand for a purpose um, is that you will polarise. You yeah. know, there will be some people who yeah. won't be comfortable doing business with you and then it'll be your choice whether you sell your, you sell out on your own values to keep that client or win that customer or whether you stay true to it in the hope that you will find enough like-minded people to work with. Yeah. So um, ultimately, you know, I think it's worth mentioning here that quite quickly um, after the launch of our, our new company, uh, Meerkats, which was, it started as basically wanting to, you know, do advertising through truth. Uh, it very quickly became a mission to fix capitalism. <laughs> it sounds really like a big leap, but advertising is the voice of capitalism. And, and we, are, we were well placed um, to see what was going wrong with this thing called free enterprise, you know, we could we could see the cynicism rising in consumers. We could see the fact that we're all, you know, we're all just naturally hardwired now to expect that a company's promise, whether yeah. it's through a salesperson in a shop or through an ad campaign, is unlikely to be what you what you experience. You know, we're we're all hardwired to believe that we're being lied to or or exaggerated to. Um, we know that when a CEO gets on in front of a microphone at a press conference to address a problem or, you know, a, 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 an incident, uh, you know, with, with a consumer or, or something bad's gone wrong, we know that they're probably going to try and spin it. You know, we're, we're just all naturally yeah. very cynical about yeah. business and companies and corporations. And so, you know, this whole idea of, well, how about we tell the truth and how about we stop exaggerating? How about we stop lying? How about we actually give customers you know, really good value. Mm. Uh, it became not just a, a way that we felt we were helping that company, you know, grow better, but it became a way of actually, be, you know, joining a movement of um, helping to reimagine capitalism and, and make it a fairer, better, more more valued concept. Mm. Oh, I love it. I love it. And I, I want to dig into that in a little bit more detail in a second, you know, to hear a little bit more about your current, um, your current business um, and I guess the impact that you're looking to make around that. But one question that's popping up for me is I know you mentioned, you know, the concept of, you know, finding your truth or, um, you know, revealing, revealing that truth and how some, sometimes, yes, it is inconvenient, but like at the end of the day, telling the truth works better. I'd love to know for you, how does truth relate to purpose? Um, well, they're the same thing. Really, purpose is just um, truth turned into a journey, turned into a, uh, an adventure. 
Mm. You know, like a lot of people think purpose is kind of, um, the, uh, they get it wrong. Like I hear a lot of people expressing purpose um, in, in a way that I think is really just a different kind of brand positioning. Like you hear a lot of car companies and banks and insurance companies and, you know, sort of brands saying we have a purpose. Uh, our purpose is, you know, to be, to be, um, to be excellent in everything we do. And <clears throat> this is just some rubbishy sort of invented, you know, uh, yeah. slogan. Um, purpose and truth are, are the same thing because basically, let me give you an example. Um, when we worked for a large telecommunications company, a very small West Australian company that ended up being uh, one of the biggest in Australia, um, they felt that their purpose was to sell fast broadband to Australians. Uh, and they thought that our purpose is to sell fast broadband to Australians uh, in a really cool way because we're, we're cool. We're a cool company. Um, but what we found when we went inside that company and interviewed people and did workshops and looked at the history and, and studied them uh, was that they um, were essentially <clears throat> annoyed by the fact that here in Australia, the, the, this, this incredible emerging thing called the internet was being given to old-fashioned phone companies to sell, like Telstra and Optus were becoming, were given the right to sell broadband. And that really annoyed these guys because they were they were young university kind of nerds. They were engineers and electrical students, and and uh, they were a whole bunch of really nerdy kind of computer geeks who were really annoyed that these big fat cats at the phone companies who knew nothing really about the potential of this incredible thing called the internet and everything that's come with it. Um, and so their actual um, subconscious desire was to give Australians a better experience of this incredible thing called the internet because they wanted people to, to see how incredible it was the, the, the way they saw it. Mm -hmm. And so once we said to them, you know, your truth isn't you, that you just want to sell fast broadband. Your, your truth is you want to liberate this thing called the internet from the phone companies. And when we, and they said, holy cow, that's, ex that's exactly right. And it, it was a golden thread that, that ran through the whole organisation. It wasn't just in one or two people on the board. This was, you know, this is the kind of the drive that they had um, almost recruited the whole company to. Mm. They just didn't really know how to say it. Um, and so when we took that truth and we tested it with customers, we went all around Australia. It was a very expensive process. We tested this in focus groups in, in five different states. And we said, what if there was an internet, an internet company whose uh, main mission in life was to make sure that you got the best experience of the internet because they don't think that the phone companies are giving you that. And here's how they would do that and the kind of way that they would prove that they were serious about it, the kind of packages they'd have, how they'd talk to you, what their phone salespeople would be like, what it would be like dealing with them. And these are all true things. We didn't have to invent anything. This is all exactly what they were doing. And the result was, you know, commercial dynamite. It was like, holy cow, if you're telling me there's a company that exists that is genuinely driven by that truth, then, holy, yeah, I'd, I'd want to give them a call for sure. Yeah. Um, so there was this huge commercial potential from this truth. And so all we really did was turn that truth of what was burning their burning authentic motive you know, their collective motive as a group of people. All we did was turn that into a journey. We pointed it somewhere mm -hmm. and we said, you know, your purpose isn't just a description that you're a bunch of nerds who hate phone companies. Your purpose is to liberate the internet from those phone companies. Mm -hmm. So that verb is very important. And in every purpose we did for any client, the verb is the action that comes from having a, a purpose. It's the action that comes from that truth. Mm -hmm. So truth and purpose are linked 
in the fact that purpose creates action around a, a truth. Purpose creates action around the truth. <clears throat> yeah, and without action, there's no there's no point having it. You know, yeah. you might have, you might as well just be sitting on a mountaintop. You know, um, you know, with get with a gather, uh, gathering of followers around your feet, just you know, <laughs> just preaching to them. Because you know, what I like doing is applying purpose to um, companies, to businesses, yeah. to organisations, even if it's a social enterprise or a, even a charity. Yeah, charities, you know, these days have to compete for money you know so yeah. they're very similar and so i, I love uh, finding what is actually driving a group of people how are they united in their in their work yeah. how do they see the world and how do they think that their organization is meeting an unmet demand in the world and helping them enunciate that and then point it somewhere because that creates momentum and that creates change in the world and that helps make a better kind of capitalism Hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah. So, if if a company was wanting to get started on uncovering their purpose or their truth, their authentic motive, where where should they get started? Um, well, I I don't want to make this sound like I'm promoting my book because I, I don't mind if if people borrow borrow it off you. You know, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I, I didn't write the book to make money. It was more. I, I wanted to, to spread the, the word and, and pretty much the reason I wrote the book was, was to answer that question for people. Mm. And basically in the book, it, it kind of describes um, how you go about finding your purpose. And it's, it's never as ideal as doing it with a, a proper purpose coach who mm. can, you know, like a sports coach can bring things out of you that you weren't really realising. But it's a good start and it starts with really um, sitting down and forgetting about your business for the moment, forgetting about what the customer wants, forgetting about what other c- companies are doing in your category, forget about what everyone else outside of you thinks and is doing. And that takes a lot of <clears throat> a lot of mental effort because most of us are addicted to comparing ourselves to others, especially when you start a company or a small business. You, you look at what others are doing and you think, well, if they're doing it, that must be the way I have to do it. And, you know, one of my friends told me I have to, you know, research what people want and just give it to them. Yeah. The way you start finding your purpose is to forget all that for the moment. There is a role for that, but it comes second. The first thing you need to do is work out what you believe is valuable. Yeah. What you, what you, you know, it's the old saying, uh, Henry Ford is famous for saying back in the day, if I'd asked my customers what they wanted, they would have said faster horses, please. Yeah. And they didn't have any concept of, of how a mass-produced automobile that was affordable could change their lives and, in fact, change the world. Um, you know, Steve Jobs was another one that was very similar. And one of my favourite guys, this guy called Yvonne uh, 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 Art. Anyway, he runs Patagonia. They've just been in the news about oh, yes. the fact that they're basically just giving the company to, you know, they're donating all their profit to, to social enterprise. And yeah. anyway, I've, I've followed him for a long time and he, he had a similar approach. It's kind of like um, I want to employ a group of people who are inspired and motivated by the idea of helping people see the, the unspoilt places in the world without ruining it. Mm. Uh, and in order to do that, we have to make outdoor clothing and outdoor equipment that is, uh, better for the environment. Uh, all our competitors who have these brands that purport to be lovers of nature and 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 the unspoilt areas of the world, they're making products out of plastics and fossil fuels and and, and you know with slave labour and um, you know that's hypocritical. 
And so, you know, he, he doesn't ask his customers what they want. He gets a group of really inspired people, gathers them around this idea and says, what's possible? What could we do? Yeah. And once they all uh, go crazy with ideas about what's possible through this view, then they go and ask the customers, you know, would you buy this? Yeah. How much would you pay for it? They ask their suppliers, can you make this? Do you have these materials? Do you want to get together with us and do this? They go to their investors and say, we believe this is the long-term way to build a profitable company. Are you with us? You know, it, it, that, that's when you go on outside of yourself and mm-hmm. ask people what they think. But if you start your business by asking others what they want and then just madly spend your whole life trying to deliver on that, you'll never be happy. Yeah, so true, so true. And I think Patagonia is such a perfect example of showing the commercial potential of locking into your true purpose. Yeah, they're like number one, equal number one with a brand called Columbia. And, uh, you know, uh, the thing I love about uh, finding helping purpose-driven companies find their commercial potential is that when you create a product or a service design or or, uh, something that people really gravitate to and want to sell, when it comes through an authentic motive, it's really hard to copy. Like it's really hard to to just to just do what you do if if it comes from a from a deeply personal point of view about what's possible, because it goes against the some of the rules of the category. It goes against logic, you know. Like I remember once Steve Jobs was asked a question in an interview. You know, some interviewer said, "Hey, some people say that you're crazy, that you're a bit mad. What do you say to that?" And he thought for a moment, like he did, and he said, "Well, yeah, of course I'm crazy." He said, do you you honestly think I would do some of the things that we're doing if I was sane? (laughs) He said, you know, to be be truly original and to to have true innovation in in any product sector of of industry, you have to be a little bit nuts because otherwise you won't try it, you know. And and yet we spend our whole lives following others in in a very logical way and, and it's not satisfying. It just leads to a, a very reactive kind of stressful way of, of living your life. And, and, you know, people realise that too late. <laughs> you know, that they're 70 years old and they're about to retire and they realise, oh, I've just been doing what everyone else wanted my whole life and I haven't been doing what I really felt had, had real value. Yeah. It's very exciting you- to help people find find that value and then and then uh, help them find the sweet spot where it, where it can actually be a commercial success. Yeah. I, I've i got a question for you that I'm not sure if you can actually answer, but um, we'll throw it out there and we'll see how you go. How you said that the first step in uncovering, you know, your own truth and your purpose is about let, letting go of essentially like the external world's expectations and to instead connect in with what you truly believe how how does one do that how does one sort of detach from or separate from the the external expectations even if it is just momentary or temporary in order to unlock what their truth is well there's a number of ways um one of my favourite ways is about what makes you angry what 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 annoys you Mm. because everybody has at one time been in a situation, whether you've been in a, a business meeting or, uh, you know, you've just been by yourself and you, and, and you have a prompt from somewhere. Say you're in a meeting and um, a whole bunch, everyone else around the table seems to be agreeing to something, an action 
or a, you know, a, a truth that they're, that they're all wanting everyone to believe. Um, and there's something inside of you that is going, I don't think that's true. I don't think that, that's crazy what they're saying. Like I'll give you an example. It happened to me all the time. That's, that's why I eventually started my own company because I thought I can't keep sitting around these tables and being the, the party pooper who wants to spoil everybody's fun by bringing in these, <laughs> these inconvenient truths, you know. Uh, I remember uh, there, were, there were dozens and dozens and dozens of examples, but one of them that sticks is uh, I was in a room. This was on the 47th floor of some big office tower in Sydney, uh, a very big insurance company, and they're all sitting around there saying, uh, our sales are, are slipping, uh, we're losing customers. Um, how about uh, we offer a trip to Bali uh, for everyone who renews with us, you know, when their insurance comes due. And and there was, these are MBA qualified graduates and executives and C-suite people. And I'm not saying they're dumb. I'm just saying that they are, they were just acting in the same sort of conventional way that business acts. And and they were like, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, 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 competition. And because uh, people love competitions and uh, yeah, I think, you know, who wouldn't want a trip to Bali and blah, blah, blah. Um, and, so I was in my head was a very quiet voice. There was a loud voice saying, agree with them. You're, you're just a, you know, advertising agency, creative director, agree with them and get on with it. But a, a quieter voice, and this is a trick. You've got to listen to the very quiet voices inside your head because they tend to be the, the true ones. Um, a quiet voice was saying, that's, that's bullshit. And you know what? This really pisses me off because I, I, I think the world is full of, um, companies trying to bribe people to, to make purchase decisions. And uh, it's this kind of horrible mutated game that, that consumers and companies play where companies say, well, we'll pretend to be interested in you if you pretend to want to, you know, be lured by these, you know, uh, bribes of competition or, or discounts or sales. And, and it's all sort of vacuous and there's no real value. So I remember when I when I was young, it didn't occur to me. But as I matured, I started to get angry about this mm. because I knew that on the other side of that um, conversation was failure uh, and people's jobs and uh, and and the reputation of my industry as being ineffective. And so, you know, I started getting more and more angry about this. And so, um, I would be able to stand up in any room and say, uh, "Let me tell you uh, what pisses me off about." companies and clients and I'll tell you why and I'll tell you what the solution is mm. so I think everybody has a little bit of that inside them yeah uh, you know you only have to work one year as a junior intern at a law firm let's say you want to be a lawyer it, my recommendation would be to go and work for the biggest most conventional company you could find and I guarantee you that every day there'll be a prompt or two about what they are saying should be done that a little voice inside your head is, is saying, no, I don't think that's right. Or I don't, yeah. I think there's a better way, or I think that's old fashioned, or I think that's, um, um, you know, manipulative, or I think that's uh, weak. It doesn't have to be, um, you know, everything doesn't have to be kind of like evil. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's just, it has to strike you as not being logic, you know? Yeah. And, and when that happens, that is a really big sign of something that is inside you that can become, um, you know, your purpose mm -hmm. because, you know, I've, I've worked with a lot of students and a lot of young people, uh, a lot of young people in startup labs who are rejecting the kind of traditional career path. And when you ask them why, 
they say, because I want to make a difference. I don't want to just make a salary. I want to make a difference. And the only way you can make a difference is by really having an opinion about what's needed in the world. Yeah. And, it, and when I say the world, I mean, you could do, say, say you loved selling cars and you wanted to be a car salesperson. Well, that's fine. But, you know, through your love of cars, there will be a truth about how you believe cars should be sold that um, goes against convention. And, and that would be a really big um, sign that, you know, you have a purpose lying dormant inside you. So it's really a case of um, can, can you put yourself in a situation where you can quieten down all those loud voices in your head that are saying you've got to earn an income and your house is on the line and you've got to work in a team and you can't disappoint the boss and all that sort of stuff. Can you quieten those voices enough to hear the other voice that's probably deeper down inside you and probably has the sound of a seven-year-old. Um, what is it you love? What is it you believe? What do you think is important? What have you seen that work that works and what doesn't? And and the more you work in an industry, the more, you know, the more that little voice will will have something to say. Mm, so, so you know, my my book has a whole bunch of exercises that are designed to, to draw this out because people sometimes spend, you know, a long time. Yeah. not even considering you yeah. know that you have a, a, an opinion you know we, we get so used to towing the line that uh, we sort of you know I've worked with a lot of people it took a four a four hour workshop to even come to the point where they feel that they can admit that there's something inside that they want to say you know because yeah. they seem scared to almost yeah. and yet that's that's the most powerful thing you can look for yeah yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent. Now I know, I know that you've got to go. So there's one last question that I wanted to ask you. When, how does, how can a, a business or how can a business leader know that they found their true purpose? How do they know um, when they've locked onto it? Yeah, well, look, it, it's um, sometimes it's like a bolt of lightning, but not not very often. Often it's because because I believe in logic. You know, I, I believe that purpose is a, just a, a very logical observation about what works and what doesn't and about what matters and what doesn't and about what, what you feel something for and what you don't feel something for. My belief is in, unless human beings are genuinely, you know, internally motivated by something, they're not going to be very good at it. It's going to run out of puff. Mm. So, you know, finding your purpose can sometimes be a very logical process where, you know, you're eventually sitting there facing a truth that you can't deny. Like for me, it was, um, you know, at the point where, for example, we sold Meerkats because we basically three or four years ago decided we had to get out of advertising. Even though we were helping companies find their truth, we were still tethered to the advertising industry and it bugged us more and more. You know, that was a truth that just sat on the table in front of us and we couldn't deny it. You know, and so uh, I think, um, you know, once you find your purpose, it's it's a case of, of not denying it. Um, what was your, what, tell me again your original question because I want to make sure I, I answer it. It's very no, important. No, you have answered it. It was how, how does someone know if they've actually found it? And I think you oh, said, I know. you know, sometimes yeah, it can feel like a bolt of lightning. Yeah, yeah. But the important thing is you'll only know for sure after you put it to work. Mm. you won't you'll get an inkling of it when you write something down or you say to your friends hey i've been doing this a lot but i've, I've come to realize that i think what i'm really driven by is blah and therefore i want to do blah blah mm. 
you really have to do the blah blah <laughs> and then see yeah you know you have to you yeah. have to gather the evidence you have to put it out there into the world and see what happens yeah uh, and and uh, you know you have to see uh, who it clicks with you know where's the resonance and and what sort of feedback do you get what happens when you put this idea out into the world because you can uh, you can evolve your purpose you know the, the thing that that sort of triggers it will probably always be the same thing like the thing that triggers all my work is is um, you know my my quest to make capitalism a better thing is, is driven by my sense of curiosity about how humans work and my logical side about well if this is what happens 20 times in a row then isn't that the truth <laughs> you know mm-hmm. um that's driving everything i do and 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 i point it in a slightly different direction e- each year but basically that's what what i do and yeah so um do the exercises or you know look deep, deep inside of yourself what, what is it you believe the world is missing what's wrong with your industry what annoys you about the current way that you know people say you should be running your business what is your real truth you know your your true self say is, is a better way try and enunciate that and then try and um make that real for people turn it into a product or a or a service you know make it make it make the distinction very clear for people and see what happens mm. oh i love that and i i think there's two really key pieces in there that are worth um drawing attention to is remembering that purpose the purpose piece might not change but where you point it might so you over your you know over your career you've pointed that purpose in different directions at different people in different products and services and yeah yeah and really tied tied the link between what that purpose is and how that can then turn into a particular product or service yeah because here's an analogy that that i think you know you're you're your clients, uh, your listeners should tap into and try and visualize. Often people think that what their, that their business is their purpose, but the way I look at it and the way that I've found time and time again is your current business is really just a planet revolving around a sun that is your purpose. Mm. The sun is your purpose and you haven't quite enunciated it yet because you thought it was the planet. But once you enunciate the sun, then you can find that there are other planets that you can have in your particular solar system. I'll give you a quick example. I worked with, this is a charitable example, but it's exactly the same. Um, A group of people came to us and said, we want to help. uh, Our our purpose is to help young Indigenous people find work. Um, And and we want you to help help us enunciate that better. And so when we looked into it, we found that, um, that their purpose wasn't helping Indigenous people find work. That was a, that was a, uh, a way they had chosen to implement an as yet unannounced, uh, unenunciated purpose. That was the planet. That was one of their planets. Mm. The sun that that planet was revolving around, the purpose that was driving that was their fierce desire that everyone on the planet should, should feel valued, that everyone on earth deserves to feel valued equally. And the first place they chose to, to implement this desire was with the very vulnerable, very fractured, uh, you know, uh, y- young Indigenous people. Because if there's a group of people who are feeling undervalued, it's them. Mm. And, the, and the repercussions are huge, like the suicide rates and drug and crime and, you know, terrible. So we had them realise that it was very important for them to realise that because 
uh, when they realised that their purpose didn't have the word Indigenous in it, it was for it was for just humans. We want all humans to feel valued. Then they could feel like they could uh, amend and change and improve and evolve how they were applying that that purpose. Yeah. And in fact, they they opened up another division that was helping um, single mothers. Um, people who were at retirement age or had been sacked in their 50s or 60s and, and suddenly felt worthless from society. So, you know, uh, it was very important for them to be able to enunciate their, their true motive without um, using the description of their actual business at the time. So, yeah, that's, that's, that's key, I think, is to, so is to try and find a purpose statement that does not, in, um, does not include the name or the word of your current business, you know, because yep. I, I bet that's too shallow. I bet there's something deeper and more meaningful that's actually driving that. Once you find that, then, you know, you can remap your entire uh, future business life. <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. And a whole heap of opportunities and possibilities can emerge from that place as yeah. well. Yeah, yeah. Amazing, amazing. Thank you so much. So so much, Mike. That was so, so valuable. I really, really appreciate your time. And I feel like I learned so much as well. So thank you so much. I know you're welcome. It was it was it was good to I always um refine my thoughts whenever I'm asked good questions and I hear myself <laughs> hear myself answering them. That's right, that's right. So true. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. Cheers. <laughs>